we're taught that anger is bad, shameful, and something to be hidden and suppressed, but actually anger is part of our power. Anger is our life force. It's an ally. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Hey, podcast listeners. I am so excited to share this conversation with you It was such a powerful one. Today, I'm sitting with Bethany Webster. She is a writer, international speaker, and transformational coach. She started blogging in 2013 about the mother wound and quickly experienced worldwide demand for her work. Here's the thing. No one was talking about the mother wound back then. Through blending research on intergenerational trauma, feminist theory, and psychology with her own personal story, Bethany's work is the result of decades of research and her own journey of healing. Bethany speaks, consults, and mentors around the world, sharing her growing body of work that is raising the standard of women's leadership and personal development. I want to hear from you after this episode. Leave me a review, send me a DM, let me know what you think. Let's go into today's episode. Bethany, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. I'm so excited for our conversation today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It's such a privilege to sit with authors and thought leaders like yourself. So before we jump into the mother wound, I would love to hear from you three things about you so we can kind of jump into getting to know you. Okay. Um, I'm a coffee lover. I love coffee. Every morning of my life is a coffee. There's a coffee there. Um, so yeah, from a young age, I loved cafe culture, all kinds of coffee, eating, drinking coffee around the world. So yeah, I'm a coffee lover. I was a big surfer in my high school and college. That's a fun fact. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, the first summer, I was just learning, you know, how to read the waves, when to jump on them and also building upper body strength. You need a lot of upper body strength. And then after that, it was just so much fun. And I still have my surfboard. I haven't used it in a number of years, but it's, it's in my house and I treasure it a lot. And then the third thing, I have been a super homebody since the pandemic. um, I'm still in quarantine mode. And so I'm a deep introvert. I'd like to say I'm a happy, healthy hermit. I love solitude and um, I don't need much contact with people. I love being behind a screen and being able to wear my slippers like I am right now. So um, I love solitude and I love being really selective about who I share my time with and what I do with my time. And that's been a real, I think the pandemic has really helped me to get in touch with that discernment and how it impacts my energy and my body and the quality of my relationships. So solitude has been a really powerful teacher. 
Thank you for sharing that here. I really appreciate that. And I think so many people could appreciate hearing this, the importance of discernment of going inwards and asking oneself, where do I spend my energy? Who do I want to give it to? And especially thinking of how fast paced our world can feel sometimes. It's so true. Our attention is our most powerful resource. It really does determine everything where we put our attention. Yes. Okay. Let's shift our attention to this super powerful book that you've written called Discovering the Inner Mother. And this topic is also something that I'm seeing more and more people talk about, which is the mother wound. So let's start there. What is the mother wound? Because you have become this expert on it. Yeah. Yeah. I started blogging in 2013 really passionate about wanting to share what I was learning. And at that time, you couldn't find the word mother wound on the internet. It just wasn't there. And I was really scared to get started because I'm like, ooh, this is a taboo topic. I might get some hate mail, which I did. Um, But I was just so burning with like wanting every woman to know that this is the missing piece. Um, So I developed my theory around it and kind of mapped out the journey that I took over 15 years to try to kind of help other women to get to these milestones and also take away the shame. Um, And what I'm talking about really is the shame that many women feel around having some kind of tension in their relationship with their moms. Um, Because we live in this world that says moms are either all good, like they're angels and saints, or they're blamed for everything. So there's no safe place for a woman to put her authentic feelings about her mom. And so many women just default to the blame myself. I'm an ungrateful daughter. I feel so guilty. I have to put this underground. I have to put on a happy face with her. And it's, you know, what I really wanted to unearth is that that's not just a small thing. That actually has a lot of impact on our sense of self. And this is what I discovered through years of avoiding it myself, but then diving deep into it. I realized that the struggles I was having with my mother, like the things I learned from her as normal um, ways to cope in the world were actually detrimental um, to my sense of self. So, and that it was impacting my body image, my relationships, what I thought was possible, you know, for my life in terms of my potential, um, it really affected everything. And I was mind blown about that. And I didn't see anyone else talking about it. Like I was looking for books on it and there just was nothing on it. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to have to be the one to start writing about this. Um, And it was amazing because almost immediately women started writing to me from all over the world, mostly Europe, actually, um, saying, thank you. This is what I'm going through. Thank you for sharing this. Um, really, people just really grateful because I think a lot of women suffer with this ambivalence and tension with their mothers in silence. And I've seen it just when women talk to each other about it, it really creates instant community. Um, and I think, you know, it's about the way I talk about the mother wound is that it's really related to patriarchy. And when I define patriarchy, that word, I use it in a very, very simple, broad way, which is the cultural atmosphere in which women are less than, Mm -hmm. you know, and how that atmosphere really infiltrates the mother-daughter relationship and corrodes it in many ways. Because if you think about it, 
because many people ask me all the time, and I've been talking a lot about female friendships and the mother wound and why female friendships can become so tense and, and intense <laughs> and um, they're challenging. Can be tough. They're challenging. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because this patriarchal atmosphere puts us in a bind as women. You know, as a woman, you're not really supposed to be angry ever. You're not supposed to have needs, boundaries. You're not supposed to be messy. Uh, you're not supposed, you know, you're not supposed to be a human being, basically. Mm-hmm. You're, you're know? supposed so to put patriarchy. all of that away and tuck it to the side and find a quiet way to deal with it. Exactly. So it's like we are really dehumanized. We're kind of, women are very much taught to become products. This is part of capitalism as well. We're supposed to be these airbrushed um, products where we don't have feelings. We're not messy. We don't have needs. We don't rock the boat. We just look pretty and we do everything correctly. And, And that's very dehumanizing. And I think the tension between women is a a byproduct of that dehumanization because we also bring that deprivation that we feel. And many of us have felt with our mothers, right? Because our mothers mm-hmm. can only give us what they have received themselves. They And whatever they could not own about themselves, whatever they feel shame about, they pass on to us, they project. And this isn't to blame our mothers or make them wrong at all. I mean, our mothers are human beings with flaws and wounds and with immense courage as all of them have, you know, overcome a lot of things as well, but it's really just human nature, whatever we don't own, we project. And so there hasn't been a cultural norm and it hasn't really even been been talked about in feminism that part of being a whole healthy empowered woman is looking at the ways in which we've been oppressed or subjugated by our own mothers that's still a taboo in feminism. And that's my mm. mission is to blow that up um, because we need, this is the this is the kind of the shadow of feminism if you want to say it that yes. way. Oh, that's a that, great um, way of labeling it. Yeah, it's like the ways that we're, well, the way I define the mother wound, I know you asked me that question, is the subtle insidious ways that we are taught to limit and subjugate ourselves as a byproduct of whatever dynamics we had with our mothers. So you could say, can you define subjugate? What, 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 just so that others know what you mean by subjugate? Yeah, the subtle, insidious ways that we've been taught to limit, shame ourselves, uh, feel less than, put ourselves down, criticize ourselves. Um, the ways that we automatically learn to do that, and we that we saw that modeled by our mothers, we see it modeled in the culture. So it, it, the reason why the mother daughter relationship is so powerful in terms of the mother wound is because it becomes into our fabric of sense of self. So the yes, mother daughter relationship identification is like, between a yes, female with another female. Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. 
and you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoccom slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using loop engage to help dampen the sound around me and these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation i still hear greg i can still hear the kids i love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. And, and you know, Bethany, I I didn't want to sit in that with my kids, truthfully. my I have a son first and yeah. 
then my daughter came along and a lot of stuff was stirred up for me in terms of my own relationship with both of them, because I had to acknowledge the different uh, sexes that they are, which is different from my mother's experience with my sister and I, and then also her experience. Mm-hmm. And then I could see just the identification of self with the same sex parent. When my son one day, my husband gets home, he's wearing his shorts with little like palm trees or sharks on it. My son runs down the hallway, comes back out in a minute. And he says, look, daddy, I have the same shorts. Hey, like it's, it's, that, it's adorable. And this identification piece starts so early on. Mm-hmm. And if we're not aware of that, particularly the mother daughter piece, because of all of this oppression and patriarchy that you're talking about, we're bound to keep doing the same generational mapping that has been done over and over again. Totally, totally. And I can see how that would be triggering for you. Right. So it's like, yeah. And as I'm not a mother myself, but I work with a lot of moms and it's true. You can really see, you know, trigger, it's normal to be triggered by your kids it, and, and, and triggers are normal just as humans, you know, we've been taught to feel ashamed of them, but they're really the, the places where our past kind of burps mm. into the present. And it's like, Ooh, there's something undigested. I love that, that. Yes. That needs my attention. Right. So I like to teach that like dealing with our triggers is like a lifelong adventure. We're going to be triggered probably till we die. And that's okay. Like kind of seeing it as, you know, healing and inner work as, as like a lifestyle. It's not like capitalism teaches us, oh, you have to be healed and then your life can begin. Or like, and it breaks my heart sometimes because some women come to my work and they're like, okay, I just want to heal the mother wound like this month. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, love. You know, that's not how it works. And also you don't have to be perfect. You get to Mm -hmm. take as much time as you need to work through this stuff because it takes a lifetime or half our lives to get a lot of this neurocircuitry online and fully going. So it's going to take time to the dismantling. Um, It's the moment to moment that we discount. We think that, okay, um, one relationship, let's go one month five sessions, we should be able to heal this, right? We'll, we'll package it all up. And, and it is the breaking down to moment to moment to moment that it's the the time that you couldn't get your shoes on and mom's telling you to run out the door. It's mm. the time where you came home crying and mom made it all about herself and connecting with you rather than seeing you as that person that needed something, needed space, needed silence, whatever that is, right? All of these moments and implicit memories, that we can't mm-hmm. access. And I think that's what you're talking about here is that when we're healing the mother wound, let's pull up all of these, whatever the word is, narratives, stories, mm-hmm. shadow is another word that's being used. Pull those up and start looking at them piece by piece. Exactly. And I really believe that the universe, you know, is bringing us exactly what we need moment to moment. Yeah. You know, trust that organic unfolding. Like each of us is a miracle and and the universe is such a magnificent intelligence. It's it's always bringing us whatever we need next for our healing. So trusting that, right? And and that reclamation process becomes so rich and so nourishing that it becomes less and less important about being healed and done. It's like, eventually, if you're on the path strong enough and consistently enough, it'll start to become so rewarding that it's it's really a process of self-discovery. And I, I'm one to speak because I've been in therapy with the same therapist for 20 
I think it's 24 years now, I have a the, the rare opportunity to work with one person. So it's like I've restructured and still restructuring my attachment blueprint and watching how it opens up, you know, possibilities and ways of being, right? So we're really working with the brain. We're really working with neuroplasticity. And, and so it's, it's really exciting uh, work. So exciting. (laughs) If we can give ourselves that permission to grow, to reach our growth edges, to feel uncomfortable when we reach an edge, to sit in that discomfort and then to grow a little bit more. I often hear Mm. from my clients, I wish I had have come sooner. I wish I did this earlier. And we do have that conversation of you weren't ready. Yeah. It's okay that so you weren't true. ready then, right? And, and what you're saying there is that, you know, the universe offers us what it is that we need. And it's in that way of also how we learn about our own boundaries and learn about ourselves that if we're bumping up against someone, who is this person? Oh, they're a boundary teacher. And this is our next stage of learning of where I am, how I end, where you begin, what other um, growth edges do I need to reach in this moment? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's like having that. um, I like talking about the three C's. I teach inner mothering. So how do we mother ourselves in the ways that we needed uh, to break the cycle of the mother wound? And the three C's are calm, compassionate, and curious. Hmm. Those are kind of like foundations, which is different from what many of us are taught, right? Which is more like you know, be really hard on ourselves. Criticism. We have to be perfect. Yeah. Focus on the negative. Um, so it, this is all about retraining kind of, you know, my goal with the people in my, my coaching clients and my course is to really help you to shift that default. We want to create a new default mode and it takes repetition. It takes practice. Um, so the three C's can be helpful to be like, if I feel stuck, okay, how can I bring calmness, compassion, and curiosity to what's happening instead of being hard on myself? I mean, I've learned for, from experience that if we're hard on ourselves, we're just wasting time because it's just not productive. Mm-hmm. It's a postponement. It, it doesn't move us forward. And that's the research from Tara Brock or Kristen Neff of their work in that it's like... And I remember Tara Brock used this analogy once that it's like taking a clipboard and lumping yourself over the head as soon as we get critical, right? And we've got these critical thoughts. right? So that instead of offering ourselves that compassion um, piece where many of us didn't actually receive that from our parents, that instead we take on our parents' voice and we do to ourselves what they've done to us or what we saw them do to other people. Totally. Yeah, exactly. So that's why it's not really about our mothers in the end, the mother wound. It's just about how can I become conscious of what I went through and become more empowered in choosing and at choice, kind of like discernment, what we were talking about earlier, Mm. discerning. um, I think that's really the most exciting part of healing is, is that choice point. It's how can we become more and more at choice? And that's, that's really exhilarating, right? It can be exhilarating and scary. And actually those two things map onto the nervous system in the same place. It's the same experience, (laughs) right? right? Yeah. Right. Um, How, how does the mother wound show up in people's lives? So for people who are listening, kind of questioning, Hmm, is this impacting me? What do you see in the women that you work with? 
Yeah, there's a lot of ways it can show up. Um, a lot of the ways that it shows up have to do with basically feeling shame, feeling less than. So comparison, competition, um, feeling stuck in self-loathing, self-doubt. Um, it can also show up in things like depression and anxiety, um, addictions, uh, body image issues, and food and eating uh, challenges. Um, and, and what I like to say to break them all down, like those are all kind of the tentacles, so to speak, or the manifestations. But underneath, if we go to the roots of what they are, it has to do with safety. So as children, we needed to feel emotionally safe to learn, to grow, you know, survival and safety are number one. Um, so early in life though, a lot of our safety mechanisms, you know, the, the, I like to say algorithms, like the safety algorithms we learned were actually very self-sabotaging. Um, so from little, you might remember like as a little girl, you might've been taught like, don't speak out, don't be angry, don't have needs, um, put other people first, please other people. These are all ways that we got love and we got seen mm. as little girls. And so our safety, our literal safety became associated, closely correlated with those behaviors. And this is all before we had like language or we were conscious of our situation. So they became so familiar. Can I um, add in that caregiving one, be the caregiver yes, as well? That one really absolutely. resonates with women that you somehow were supposed to look after everybody else in some way. Right, exactly. Over-functioning, caretaking, emotional labor, um, a lot of those kinds of things we were taught to, you know, that made us safe when we did those things. We got rewarded or approved of even. Um, the problem becomes when we want to be like these empowered women or we want to make changes in our lives, the very things that we need to do are actually, and the antithesis of what we learned to be safe. So it can actually feel like life or death, if we want to like, you know, do something like if it, we were taught to be quiet and not share our feelings or not have needs, if we were someone who wanted to, you know, become a public speaker or, you know, we might clam up. We, we might literally have fight, flight, or freeze in moments when we actually have to do those things. Mm -hmm. So it's like our inner safety algorithms are need to be updated. They need to be updated. So they helped us survive in childhood, but they're now a barrier. They're now an obstacle. So how can we change those safety algorithms so that safety doesn't equal being silent? Safety includes being vocal, being seen, being visible, being recognized. Which so, is what we all needed as children, right? We think of as yeah. children, we need um, accessibility and responsiveness from our caregivers. We need to feel some sense of power, all children need to feel power in some way, right? Whether I get to choose mm -hmm. if I'm having butter on my toast or no butter, that is a, a choice point for a child. Or if I, my daughter this morning asked to wear all pink to school, she said, I don't want to wear black today. I'm going to wear all pink. That's her choice, right? <laughs> Love it. But that's the empowerment for her. And then also to feel like we have some kind of choice and control and we still need mm -hmm. that as adults and our scripts don't get updated. I, I'm thinking clinically when I, what's showing up in my office or in my community is this theme of women not sharing their feelings and needs. They really put that down. They don't, they either don't know how to do it. They're not comfortable with it, or it always ends up into a fight. 
And then mm-hmm. also what shows up is also the decision around, can I, can I leave this relationship? Can I end this? Can I leave this job? Can I end this friendship? All of these, like you said, the tentacle parts, right? These external parts in our world that don't serve us, but we keep self-abandoning. And -hmm. I've also been using that as a theme for the podcast this season is just how much each day we abandon ourselves. At some point in your relationship, you stopped sharing your feelings and needs, or maybe this has been a familiar space that you sit in when it comes to being with others. You push them down, you don't acknowledge them, or maybe you don't even know what they are. Members in my online program, Be Connected, tell me that with the help of my online videos, live Q&A calls, and masterclasses, they are learning to identify their thoughts and feelings. They start sharing with their partners so they can look over at them and say, we got this, instead of being stuck in those repeating fights over and over again. My two favorite parts of Be Connected is my monthly Q&A session where I get to answer your questions and my weekly intention emails that help you keep on track making small changes to build connection in your relationship. Relationship. To find out more, head over to drtracyd.com. And I've been thinking lately about how parenting in the 70s and 80s and 90s, you know, it seemed to be a lot about behavior modification. So it was about compliance. Mm-hmm. So it's about being a good girl, bad girl, getting reinforcements, punish yes. different types of punishment that shame-based were parenting, shame-based, yes. which was parenting, just mm-hmm. plain old yes. parenting for many, yeah. many, many generations. So um, just hearing you speak about, yeah, having power and control to a lot of parents of older generations, children were seen and not heard. So, you know, being silenced was just part of what one did. You know, we, we didn't feel we had the right as, as kids. So, and parents, old school parents, especially, um, it was about controlling them because, and not letting the parents be controlled by the parent, by the children, Mm-hmm. That was a fear of a lot of parents is like, don't let your kid become a tyrant. Don't let them become spoiled. So giving them choices and letting them feel a measure of control was seen as being spoiled. Um, so it's just, it's, it's an interesting, you know, I follow a lot of parenting uh, experts and trauma-informed parenting. And it's just so fascinating looking back at what I grew up with and what's here now. And it's, it's very helpful because well, in a way, it's like what we're doing through healing the mother wound is learning how to mother ourselves in the ways that we didn't receive mothering. So I like to talk about like filling the mother gap. You might want to reflect on, maybe your listeners, might. we might want to reflect on, you know, what did you need back then that you didn't get that maybe you longed for? Maybe you didn't have language for, but maybe you did. I mean, I remember there were things I definitely longed for um, that, you know, things like attention, time and attention of my parents. Hmm. Um, so how can we give that to ourselves now? And the really cool thing is it's really a delicious experience, right? That little girl still lives inside of us, right? She still wants those things. Um, and there's a deliciousness that happens when we, we kind of hit the right spot, like whatever we wanted, we give now. Hmm. And, and that can feel a really powerful it can be a profoundly corrective and healing experience to to really work with those those places where we we got missed. I'm thinking about I've been really pondering a lot about women and anger and how we're just not allowed to feel anger. Mm-hmm. And 
it's, I mean, I can think just even societal messages, messaging from parents that even for myself, what I've been allowing myself to do is when I'm angry, letting myself be angry and saying out loud, I'm angry and maybe even doing something, right? Like, you know, this, like the, mm-hmm. the embodiment of emotions, they'll like push something away. Um, I had one client feel really embarrassed that they were yelling into a pillow And I said, yeah, that's anger. And that's what anger moves us to do so that we can get it out and process it out. Mm -hmm. And I think the piece that we need to work on is listening inwards and then giving that to ourselves. It moves us in some way. Yes, totally. I was just talking with a client today before our call about anger and and she was expressing a similar thing. Like, I feel like, why should I still be angry? Like it's still becoming, you know, it's still, I still have anger. Like, isn't that a shameful thing? Or, you know, she was talking to someone who said, oh, you're still feeling anger. And, and I, I find that when I work with anger with clients, we need to do some pre-work around like, redeveloping a new relationship with anger. Like we're taught that anger is bad, shameful, and something to be, you know, hidden and suppressed. But actually anger is part of our power. Anger is our life force. It's an ally. So we kind of have to reconceptualize anger um, before we'll start to feel it because it feels too threatening, right? So like, how do we bring anger close? How do we befriend it? Um, And one of the most powerful things I did with anger, because I got a lot of that pressure myself with people saying, can't you just like release what happened with your mother? Can't you just forget it? Like family members would say, instead of writing, instead of writing about it and putting this out. Yeah. Yeah. Can't you just get over it? Or um, my my father said, well, you're your mother's therapist. Can't you just like go back into that role? (laughs) Because it was difficult for him. But I remember saying to myself, you know what? I'm going to be angry as long as I need to. I'm going to take every last minute to process my anger. I am not going to attenuate. Why would I attenuate my anger? My anger is part of my power. It's part of my, it's part of me. And I want to honor anger. And so I remember I specifically put like an open timeline on it. I was like, I'm not going to pressure myself. I'm not going to push myself to be done with anger. I want to be really in my anger. And I think that was one of the most powerful things I've ever done because what came out the other side was so much empowerment, so much self-worth, so much fierceness. And I was able to bring that with me everywhere I've gone, you know, to inspire other women to like feel your anger. Your anger is your truth. Anger is a connection to authenticity. It's a connection to power. But no one ever told us this because we live in a patriarchy that says women should be silent. So part of loving and befriending and claiming our anger is a deeply feminist, Mm -hmm. deeply radical act. Mm -hmm. So I encourage everyone to like love your anger. It's where the truth is. It's where the juice is. Absolutely. I think that is so important. And where my mind goes is just helping this to open up all of the other doors. And Mm. that is around what we're taught as well. um, How do I want to phrase this? When I'm working with people through sexual issues in sex therapy, I talk about Mm -hmm. the Madonna whore complex, which is that you're supposed to be right? One person all the time. And then in the bedroom, you're supposed to be this other person. And that's confusing. And it's hard to put that together when we can't just show up as all of us in all spaces. And part of that is 
that anger and releasing that and owning it and not identifying with it, right? It doesn't have to be our identity. It's not our worth. Feeling anger doesn't mean anything about our worth. It's just a human experience. Yeah, I would add to it that like there's a specific thing I ha- I see happen that I try to help happen with the women to help. We have to transform that anger from a destructive thing into something that's truly life-giving, like mm. something that's a, a passion. So anger, the anger is really about the original context of our trauma. So we want to, um, typically what happens, women are like, I don't feel anger. I can't connect to anger, but then they'll, they'll feel a trigger that'll come up like, you know, hell house on fire. And that's okay. The energy's there, but we have to take it off the projected person or the projected situation and put it back onto its original context. Mm -hmm. That's where the anger gets resolved and transformed. That's the alchemy of anger. It's not about just feeling angry all the time. That's not empowerment. It's more like, what is this anger deeply about? And let's get that pointed to where it truly belongs so that you can, that can like run its course and and like transform into something different, right? Um, It's the original anger, then asking yourself what you need. What does that need in that moment and offer and, and, and listening and giving it that to you. Which is that other layer there that so many people will struggle with actually, do I need that? Oh, no, I don't need that. I'll just put that away. I don't need to do that. Rather than honoring um, that piece of giving to yourself what it is that you need. Right. It's like listening to, I remember um, when I, a powerful moment in my journey when I, it was my inner teenager who was totally enraged with me. And I remember I just started saying to her, tell me everything you're angry about. I want to hear it all. Like I'm here for this. Um, And then that was really a shifting point where I found that the rage really was this place of being unheard. Like you spoke to, Mm -hmm. you know, that's really the part of us that wants to burn everything down is a place that feels unheard, unseen and unvalued. So if we can listen to her, then she feels respected. And I think respect is a big deal um, for women and and especially for the the teen part of us um, that can really push in kind of a destructive way um, to listen to, ooh, there's wisdom in this rage. What's the wisdom? What's the truth that that I need to to hear? Hmm. Yeah. What do you see happening for people when they start healing this? How do you know someone is on that path to healing their mother wound? Um, and I, I just love that reflect, question. <laughs> I, I just want to reflect to the listeners that your face just lit up and there was so much energy behind it. <laughs> yeah, that's such a juicy, yummy question. Thank you for asking it because... Um, it's so amazing. It's like watching a flower blossom mm. to see women start to really internalize it. Um, and what I see is a number of things. A big one is saying no more and, you know, saying no to jobs that that don't fit them anymore or standing up for themselves in relationships, setting more boundaries. And it's really empowering to witness women do this with their own mothers, which is often the scariest place for many of us to speak our truth and be true to ourselves. The the most amazing thing, though, is when we do that in the context of our moms, it has really powerful ripple effects where we start to be able to 
set these boundaries and speak our truth in every other area, whether it's our career or our parenting or our primary relationship. So um, it's really about more of honoring your truth and really being able to embody it more. Um, and also creativity. I see a lot of women becoming more and more creative, having more ideas, more passion, um, sets, you know, things like starting new businesses or um, really diving into their art or being really passionate with their kids, seeing things shift with their own children, um, where this is a powerful one for moms is when they feel that tension disappear between the inner child, what the inner child needs and what her actual child needs. Um, because when we have a mother wound that we haven't addressed, there's a tension because it, it, again, that scarcity we experience with our mothers gets replicated in the, as a mother with your own kid. So when we give our inner child more emotional empathy and love and encouragement and safety, then that overflows and the, the, the ch one's child will feel that shift. Even if you never say or do much differently, there's a, there's an energetic shift. So that's always really exciting uh, when women can see that. Um, and then another thing that's on the path, I think too, is grief. Grieving is a big deal with the mother wound. And on the path myself for many years, I really really hated when another round of grief came up. I'm just like, oh no. And for so long, I'd be like, oh no, here comes more grief. But now so many years later, it feels so good because I'm like, oh good, here comes more grief. Here's like another level of empowerment coming. And the deeper I've allowed myself to go into grief, the, the, the bigger, there's always a commensurate rise of empowerment and clarity that comes in its wake. So there's a direct relationship between grief and clarity, grief and empowerment. Mm -hmm. um, so when I see women go like riding that wave and like in a way surfing the wave, like, oh, I got this. I know this is how it works. I welcome the next level. I process it in the original context. And then the freedom shows up in the current situation. So it's like, there's this kind of alchemy of energy that happens. And when you get the hang of that, you can ride that for the rest of your life. These are tools that help you forever, really. I think what you're saying there that is really important for us to remember is that this grief doesn't just happen once. You don't experience yeah. or go through the grief cycle once and then you're done and on your way, but rather layers and new parts come up to be grieved. And it, it, it just really speaks to that, again, that being calm, your three C's, calm, being compassionate when it shows up, and also that curiosity. Oh, mm. look at this feeling here. What is this? What's, what's it showing me? What do I need from this? And then moving forward from that rather than, oh, this again, what is this? No, this can't be grief. Wait, what? No, 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 no. We, we did this already. I, I read Bethany's book. I'm there. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for mentioning that, Tracy. Yeah, it's 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 like grief is the way mm. if we're feeling. And I think we all want to be more sensitive, more open, more in touch, more embodied, more intuitive. And part of that is being willing to grieve when we need to and making space for that. And and I want to also say this is all very countercultural stuff. Like when we do this kind of work, we're really dismantling those really... Um, harmful norms that so many of us grew up with that say feelings are bad, don't feel, um, 
but we're realizing that all the good stuff is, is in really honoring all these capacities that we have. The, the biggest one that shows up in my community working with women is around the no and the separation. So distance, not, I'm not saying separation is in um, abandoning a family, but saying no, that we don't want to do this tradition anymore. No, we're going to be different in our mm-hmm. own family unit. Um, and that comes up around different cultures in the yeah. sense of perhaps it might be the Chinese culture, or um, I've had people say, you know, in our Greek family, that's not something we can do. Um, and that's hard, right? That, that, like that say no I can't do that at all yeah totally that's very it's those places where we say oh no I can't that's where the power is that's where you want to go in that direction right Mm, yes Yes. Bethany, I could speak to you for longer. I have, I'm so enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you for sharing so much of you here with me and with the listeners. Can you please tell us what do you have on the go and where can people find more about you and to work with you? Yeah, you can check out my website, bethanywebster.com. There's a ton of free articles and resources there. Um, I teach an online course um, that teaches those seven steps of how to heal the mother wound. And I do offer private coaching as well. Um, And I have something exciting coming up. Um, In May, I do a, a webinar and a series about, you know, the mother wound and Mother's Day. And so, you know, Mother's Day is a time where we really feel that pressure to like be the good daughter or we feel might feel some shame around the actual reality of what's going on in our relationship with our mom. So I have like a whole supportive uh, series around that. So um, you can, I'll be announcing that in April. Um, so you definitely, it's totally free and you're welcome to come and check it out. Um, and, and that's something that you can really get a feel for the work I do with that. That's amazing. Yes, I will put all of your links in the show notes so people can find you. Bethany, thank you for your offerings today. They were so beautiful. Thank you, Dr. Tracy. It's been great being with you today. I am so grateful I had the opportunity to sit with Bethany and talk about her work around healing the inner mother wound. I think this is such an important piece of work that we need to be doing, particularly as we move forward creating meaningful relationships in our life so that we can stop repeating the cycles that show up. We have a relationship dance with every person in our life, whether it's with our child, whether it's with our partner and lover or friends or caregivers. And we have these because there's a dynamic, there's an interaction between two people. So what I'm inviting you to do is to go back to Bethany's three C's that she talked about today. One, calm. Find a space of calm and quiet and pausing for you when you notice that you're getting stuck in something tricky. To hold compassion for yourself. Remember that you can be kind to you just as you would to a dear friend. And then Bethany's last three is curiosity. Be curious about what is showing up. Don't judge it. When we judge it, we end up holding onto our emotions and our thoughts longer. Be curious, be open, and when you're ready, practice letting it go and coming back to the present moment. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and remember that you are right where you need to be. A reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. Until next time, take good care of you. 
What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.